Oh, what are we doing here? We are doing something today. I bought at a voodoo shop and we're supposed to light this for good business. Do you want to light some sage? Yes. All right, now if we're going to light sage, you have to go into all four corners of the room. Let's do it. Let's do it. Like you have to stir up the air in the corners of the room. Right. That's how you dispel all the bad juju in the room because it builds up in the corners and like swirling the sage around, go. stirs it up and disperses it. Got yeah. you. Got you. Well, we create this podcast in honor of the spirit, Dr. John, with all respect, love and honor to the priest and messenger. Come on, Lennon Cliff. It's only your life. Are you trying to say that Jesus Christ can hit a curveball? Where you going, me? About 90 feet? Welcome, everyone, to the Brackish Podcast, where two people have absolutely zero idea what I'm about to tell them about history in New Orleans, and we're going to break it down for you right here today, recorded live on Esplanade. Esplanade. We are your hosts, Knock. Cliff. Lynn. We're going to take you way back. We're not going to take you that far back. We're going to take you like 200 years back or so, you know, and uh, we're going to have a good time with it. And... Uh, Speaking of good times, New Orleans is having a good time right now. Uh, good time, crazy time, and uh, you got some stuff to speak about, it, right? We're going to not try it and say the word, but we have to. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. Are you afraid? I'm irritated. <laughs> Your grandfather thinks you're going to get it just because you live here? Everyone thinks that I'm going to get that beer because I live here. Mmm. Well, Cliff did some research, and he was thinking about all this stuff that's being canceled, and since Cliff's a big sports fan, he was thinking about the Olympics this summer, 2020, Tokyo, right? Oh, but it'll be done by then. Maybe. So I'm thinking Or like, we'll all be zombies, and it'll be the first zombie Olympic. Right. So, Which win, would be win. fantastic. Right. But I'm thinking, like, who's going to make this decision? Who's going to be the one to step up? Well, I did some research. There's a committee member on the International Olympic Committee. His name is Dick Pound. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so what did you hear from? Are you just, you, you're going to be making this up. No way. No, I called him. Okay. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I called the Mr. Olympic Pound. The Olympic Committee head? Yes. Is, okay. Well, not the head. He was. He was a vice president for a while. Okay. And, okay. Uh, he's a Canadian. Okay. <laughs> So I decided to give him a call. And oddly enough, when you look it up on the internet, it's the pound sign, like hashtag, 383-798-4264. Wait, so you really called this guy? Yeah. And then when you take those numbers. Yeah, I just called the head of the Olympic Committee, the guy who gets to decide whether it's on or off. So I was like, let me look up these numbers on the phone and see if it's like a code. And sure enough, it's the hashtag sign, and then the numbers come out to be everything. So in the online, it looks like pound everything. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so I got Dick on the phone, and I I wanted him 
to tell us. That's what you dialed. Pound everything. Pound everything. Oh, okay. okay. Boom. Okay. He okay. answered. Actually, he had these two irritating call screeners that got really testy with me. I can't tell if he's telling the truth he's or not. Totally not. So they got testy. With anyway, uh, I want to get some pop culture stuff out of him. So I asked him things. His favorite stuff. So. Dick Pound's favorite TV shows. <laughs> Magnum P.I. Of course, yeah. Different Strokes. <laughs> okay. And Shaft. You're damn right. Yeah. And I said, well, what are your favorite movies? He said, Deep Impact. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Big Daddy. Gosh. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, classic, Ew. classic, classic. The it's Punisher. Uh, and Great comics. Oddly enough, what lies beneath? Ooh, very, very sneaky. Yeah, I said, well, what are your favorite songs? Oh, my gosh. It's go- it keeps going. Oh, my gosh. And he said, My Dingaling by Chuck <laughs> Berry. Of course. Love Wait. in an Elevator oh, by Aerosmith. Aerosmith. That's a good right. one. That's um, a good one. I Want to Sex You Up. Uh, Probably my best. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Let It Go by Elsa. Oh. I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. I love that it was by Elsa. Oh, you can tell he doesn't have kids. So I said, yeah, yeah. Well, what are your favorite vehicles? He goes, I have three. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I have a Dodge Ram. Oh, gosh. I have a Hummer. Uh-huh. And I have a Ford Probe. What did he say about the Olympics? With, right, that's you know, what I was waiting about, for. Did you we'll ever call get to it, that? We'll call it COVID-19, as the, as the layperson is saying it nowadays. He didn't. He he had no comments. Okay, he didn't <laughs> want to talk about that. He nothing. But yeah. he was willing to give yeah. you a long list of favorite. Yeah, songs. Yeah, because everybody's been asking him about what's going on. Oh, with okay. oh, this was new. This was fresh, fresh ideas. Oh, so you're like you could write for Buzzfeed. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Hey, Buzzfeed, call Cliff. He's ready to go. Yeah. Uh, this he, all happened. He works for free. I feel like if that were one of those internet articles, I would have had to click next. At the end of every sentence. Yeah. And I would have closed it after like. Look, you guys. <laughs> call. Next. Give pound everything. Dial it up. Dial it up. Get. Pound everything. Oh, <laughs> yes. Did you really dial pound everything or no? Of course. Oh, okay. It was a busy signal, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's how the Olympic Committee guy speaks? Yeah, exactly. He speaks in busy signals. Yep. Okay. All right, well, today, oh, <laughs> thank you for that. That was a great little prelude. Is that what they call it? You know, we need to shine light on this situation we're going through. Yeah, so Yeah, it's okay. It happens. You're right. We're good to go. And uh, we're good to go with the story we're about to tell you today. And again, Cliff and Lynn know zero about this. And I'm about to tell them and you about the voodoo priest, Dr. John Montanay. He was also, and is also, a messenger of God, according to those who practice in the voodoo religion. He was known as John Bayou, Voodoo John, Bayou John, and he is the forefather of New Orleans voodoo. And y'all are about to learn about him today. Very little bit is written about this guy it was very hard to find a lot of stuff about this guy and i even told you that when i went to the supposed voodoo shops they had no idea who dr john was at all but several books and novels talk about it two of which we got here today all right and then his 1885 obituary in harper's weekly 
That's how yeah. known this guy was around the city and around the world. If you came to New Orleans, you knew who Dr. John was because you probably went and saw him because he probably told you your fortune or gave you some kind of cream or helped you out. And in that <laughs> Harper's Weekly article, the author calls him the last of the voodoos. Okay. All right, Dr. John was born in Senegal around 1803, 1804. It's not really sure uh, when he was born, but he died in 1885 at the age of 82 years old. All right, and according to the book titled Voodoo Past and Present, written by Ron Bowden, he was one of the authors of a five-part series released by the University of Louisiana, Lafayette, Oulala, in 1990. This book's called Voodoo Past and Present. All right. And first, before we talk about Dr. John, like the voodoo priest, we got to talk about voodoo, right? So I'm going to take you to school real quick. I'm ready. All right. Let's you guys it. know kind of what voodoo is. You live here, but you don't know anybody who practices it regularly, right? Yeah. And voodoo can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Well, you know, I even talk, my mom always still says gri gri. Right. You know, so it's in our language, but we don't necessarily practice it, but we have things that we also practice that are a lot like them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's more, for me, sayings. I don't practice it, but you you know like some of the sayings, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a mindset around right. here. That's what we chalk things up to. Like something goes missing, something mm -hmm. goes wrong. Oh, you got some gree-gree on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where that phrase comes from, uh, and it comes from voodoo. It's a religion or a cult, you know, kind of same thing. Uh, most recently, it's been called Santeria. So if you ever hear somebody talking about Santeria... They're talking about voodoo. Shout out to Miss Fournette telling me about that today. Helping me out. Nice. All right, but for this podcast, we're just going to call it voodoo. Uh, and voodoo got uh, its quick mix when uh, the slave trade was happening during the 16th to 19th century. That's when uh, Africans were brought to the New World in the millions, 12 million exact. 1.5 died on the way over. So 10.5 million Africans, West Africans, were brought to uh, the New World. But we're specifically talking about the ones that were brought to Louisiana, Haiti, even Cuba, you know, the Caribbean area as well. This is before and after the Haitian Revolt in 1804, where the slaves fought and won their freedom. All right, now class dismissed. I'm not taking you to school anymore. Oh, have some fun. when's the test? <laughs> so we're around the 1800s right now. That's where we're starting the voodoo mix of African religions, rituals that usually include burning stuff like we just did here today. We got our candle that just burned out. We had our sage that we were burning earlier in honor of the Dr. John. All right. Also included dances and chants like we were just talking about that. And voodoo also includes a little bit of Catholicism because mm -hmm. a lot uh... of times during these rituals, Mother Mary was in attendance. I would say almost every time Dr. John did a ritual, Mother Mary was in attendance. All right, and these voodoo worshipers believe in worldly spirits and even spirit doubles, especially spirit doubles. So you have your physical presence that you have on the earth, and then you have your spiritual presence that you have to keep you safe day and night. And being in pairs is important in voodoo. You know when a limb of a tree grows into another limb? If you take that piece, it's supposed to have some sort of power in voodoo, and you can make jewelry out of it and rings. Like a totem. Yes. 
Also, twins are supposed to possess powers in voodoo. So if you're a twin, Don't they? you just already. Yeah. I always assume twins possess powers. Yeah, when they can like talk to themselves and like each other. Yeah. And they don't even know like, oh my God, I saw you in my dream last night. Do you have like twins like that that you know? Oh, I taught a lot of them. I taught middle school for 10 years. and So twice the pain in the ass. Well, so <laughs> there was one pair that were so identical we couldn't tell them apart. And they would switch to take each other's tests in the subject they did better in. But how am I going to prove that? Like their own mother, who was a fantastic mother, couldn't tell them apart because they were so identical. Oh. I had another set of twins that could absolutely talk across the room without saying anything. We would like Whoa. ask them questions, just random questions, and they would write down the same answer, not looking at each other, not nothing. That's crazy. Yeah. So the twins had powers, and so did people supposedly in voodoo who had deformities. So if you had like a missing finger or something, like that would mean you might have to possess some power. It set you apart from somebody. If you had like a big old scar on your face, then that usually meant that you had some sort of power. Either good or bad. But in all references, Dr. John, uh, in most respects, used his powers for good. Hopefully. All right. He had massive scars on his cheeks, extending in curves from the edge of either temple to the corner of his lips. And that's why he was seen as a possible messenger to God. Hmm. All right. You know, like Fetty Wap, that would be like a messenger to God. Yeah, that's very <laughs> true. I'm like, hey, what's up? Well, and Justin Wilson had that big old scar on his yeah, face, he too. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Yeah. Uh, we got there a Wilson go. family in this story. Oh. Yeah, later on. I'm going to tell you about that. So oftentimes people would use bones and even human skulls, all right, include dancing, to either conjure up an ancestors, predict the future, and talk to God, as we just said. You know, I was in, uh, in New Orleans doing stories most recently, as like three years ago, where people were stealing bones from cemeteries. It happens here regularly. Really? Yes. And they have to like, they found bones in a guy's home who was holding this woman, uh, captive Why? crazy story are they like yes seeking out specific people's bones no or anyone's bones it it's just easy to get bones is this like a part of a ritual uh, yeah that's what police believe so they are people still practicing voodoo in new orleans i believe no doubt but it's interesting like why someone else's bones if you're trying to conjure them or whatever a specific person you think you'd have to get that person's DNA. Well, I feel like it's always tied back to blood, right? It's always like I think you can use bones, but then like use pieces of another person. But as other well. people's stuff? No, no, no. But like your lover, yeah, you could use. You could probably mix it in with some toad in your, you know. It's bones part of the conjuring because yeah. you need like the spell to have a focus. Jerry, I need some toes. <laughs> Go get me some no, toes, like, damn it. We, that's the last thing we need. I bet that has been <laughs> no, uttered before, yes. It's like you can't just make a spell and capture it, so to speak. It has to have a focus or a destination or an object. Yeah. Yeah, so hmm. you have to have like... I just yeah. didn't, like, if you were trying to get someone and then getting other people's bones, it seems. But hey, that's voodoo. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of voodoo... Uh, they do believe in a supreme God, you know, maybe the same God, you know, as Christians, uh, Muslims, you know, anybody. Uh, but those who practice voodoo, voodoo talk to their God a little bit different. In voodoo, they think that their God is busy. Like, hey, God's busy. 
So I got. Oh, he ain't know, got time for he you. He ain't got time for us little people trying to keep my chickens alive in the winter. You know? I'm going to argue that the Christian God's a little busy right now, too. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just a little. Just a little. Okay. Uh, so he's dealing with cosmic matters of importance, oh. they believe. And so you speak through spirits or loas. And that is Dr. John is now believed to be a loa. And if someone is possessed by a loa, they often walk with a limp, carry a cane, and walk carefully. So Aloha Just, is a spirit yes. who inhabits like the mouthpiece. Yes, it can if you allow it to possess you or if it possesses you. But he can also help you out and give you things. We're going to go over that later on. Right. We're gonna, he, I'm going to let you know how he can help you if you just give him so, a little bit of rum. <laughs> I feel like I've, we should be very careful on how we make fun of I don't want to get some I'm voodoo crazy. I'm not making crazies. fun of anybody. Ooh, we should probably no, no, get a no, cat no, no, no. and like offer it as a the bourbon. We should offer it. Like Joe Boo? Yeah, like, like Joe Boo. Exactly like Joe Boo. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. This is Joe Boo, guys. Voodoo is a part of Pedro Serrano's life. Yeah. So I've heard voodoo compared to Catholicism often mm -hmm. with things like that, how there's a supreme being. Mm -hmm. And even in Catholicism, like you pray to the saints who then go to God for you, right? Right. And I, I've also read... The reason voodoo and Catholicism were so tied is because they had similarities, but also with most of the Caribbean uh, colonies, New Orleans being one of them, your funding from Europe was tied to how many Catholics you had in your colony. So the priests would go out of their way to either Catholicize African Caribbean people so they could kind of be part of the register or at least draw the connection between the two. Like Marie Laveau, voodoo priestess, was a devout Catholic because the two religions were kind of shown to be very similar. And you know, they named the same thing. I don't think that's a coincidence. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah. The leaders are named the same. Mm -hmm. That was just me being a nerd. No, you were good, that's right. <laughs> and history and folklore says Dr. John had many hobbies and wore many hats. He was a free man of color. Uh, he was a contemporary parallel to Marie Laveau. And he was even likely, some say the teacher or mentor to Marie Laveau for voodoo while they were in the Congo Square. And let's be honest, if it had not been for Congo Square, I don't even think voodoo could really have thrived and existed as it did because the priest would say, yes, I'm teaching them the same thing you teach them. Mm -hmm. Just how we teach them. Hmm. It was very hard to find a lot about this man. All right, these two books in front of you, probably like, a total of 10 to 12 pages are about Dr. John. The rest are about voodoo and the history and Marie Laveau and those kind of things. All right, so I found this, uh, and it had the Harper's Weekly uh, article in it, uh, and they said that Dr. John, uh, born in Senegal, as I said, and claimed to be the son of a prince. He had those massive scars on his cheek, and there were three parallel scars on his face, and usually in Senegal, that marked royalty. So a lot of people believed him. If he had four scars, that usually marked being a slave. All right. And Dr. John also had tattoos on his face. You might even like think you might have saw him in a poster somewhere. You just don't even know. Right. At an early age, he was kidnapped by Spanish slavers who sold him to somebody. And then he was shipped to Cuba. His West Indian master taught him how to be an excellent cook. And he became such good friends with his master that this guy convinced his master to set him free. Like the genie in the lab. Wow. Dang. Three wishes? So he 
got on a boat and began to be a cook on vessels. And so he traveled the world for many years. And then he finally, you know, was just done with that. And so he popped down in New Orleans where he finally began his life on the levee, on the docks as a cotton roller. Right? He's a pretty like medium sized guy, but he had broad shoulders and a massive build. And the employers on the dock said that he was like, when he talked, the other guys on the dock listened and they did exactly what he says, which made him like the leader of the dock. All right, and then that is when Dr. John, John Montanay at this time, found out he possessed a mysterious Obi power. Y'all heard Obi before? No. Yeah, you have. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi? Like Obi-Wan Kenobi. No effing way. In African religion, an Obi is someone who possesses mystical powers, sorcery, or witchcraft. What? Where can I get this today? An Obi power? Yeah. I think you have to be born with it, huh? I think you have. You either got to get it or you got to find it. Right? Maybe he wasn't born with it. He didn't know. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> <laughs> So that is when, on the docks of the levee, he discovered his power of fortune-telling. And after this break, I'll explain to you how Dr. John would tell people their fortune and how he became filthy rich, like Pablo Escobar rich. What? Just fortune-telling? Dang. He said he's going to tell us how. I was just trying to spoil it. <laughs> Going to work in the morning, I see these 18-wheelers that say S-Y-S-C-O on the side. Cisco, when I see those, the thong song pops in my head. Does that happen to anyone else? My phone just heard you say Cisco thong song and started to try to play it. Yes. See, and that's the thing is... When I listen, when I hear about the thong song and I've listened to it, it makes me see like you know, there's really like Whitney Houston and these really good singers that really get into their songs, and Cisco really got into it. I did like mm-hmm. three fourths of the way in the thong song, like yeah. I remember because his shirt <laughs> flies in the breeze yeah. and his arms fall back. I mean yes. that sort of energy towards thongs is just second to none yeah and that was my little that was my little tidbit sorry we missed this we missed this go so bad So, back to Dr. John. In a little bit, we're going to talk about strange objects falling out of the sky. These reports are backed up by police accounts. A lot of the information you're going to hear I got from a book called Voodoo in New Orleans by Robert Talant. 
It has pictures and everything if you'd like to get it. It's fantastic. Hey, remember, he's not a doctor yet. Uh, he's still working on the docks as a cotton roller. For, every, is, for everyone listening, sorry. Yeah. How do you spell that last name? Just several different ways to spell it, but okay. the majority of the ones spelled it as if it was just kind of plain Jane. M-O-N-T-A-N-E-E. Okay. okay. Just so if they wanted to check it out themselves. He's on the docks, and he's learned that he can read people's fortune depending on marks on the bales of cotton. What? Yes. That is not what I expected. I know that ain't what you expected. Like, it's just what like streaks. Oh. It's just like burns. Marks. Just, just marks. marks on the bales of cotton. So Whoa. these are rolled like you would see a bale of hay mm -hmm. in a field. Mm -hmm. Okay. About how big? As big as a person... Tall and wide, probably taller than a person, normal person. And he rolled that shit. Yeah, they would. Yeah, he would roll it from the boats to the docks. Oh, okay. Oh, jeez. So, okay. So he could have rolled it over some French Quarter poop. Could have said. Did possibly. I can so. tell your future. Did. Right. And not only is he working at the docks, he's actually like living on the levee right now. People actually still live on, on the other side of the levee, by the way, and the Jefferson Parish, Orleans Parish line. Hope you know if you that. like sleeping on a three to one slope, go ahead. <laughs> three to one slope. I love he knows that. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, don't say it can't happen because they had a whole movie about somebody reading the marks of a uh, piece of quilt, and Angelina Jolie and Morgan Freeman were in it. Do you remember that movie, Wanted? Yeah. They read the markings on a piece of cloth, and that's how they knew how to who to kill. Yeah, but could this, could Dr. John curve bullets? Maybe. I wish y'all could see my face right now because right. I am just in complete dismay over all of I this. I know. I know it sounds crazy, and but I had no idea how to find out how he told people's fortune using the markings. But thousands of African Americans flocked to the docks so they could get their fortune told and get counsel from Montanay. He charged them a nominal fee, no big deal. Hey, come, I'll let you know your fortune. Then word spread that he was a fortune teller. Dr. John now was able to tap in to the white community. And they started flocking to the docks. And Dr. John was making money off of everybody. Is there any account of like his process or procedure or the description of the markings or it's just known that he read the markings because I'm like trying to figure out what the markings are. He read the markings. It was like his. So it's like the scratches yes. from it being but rolled. Rolled. Think about in a it. Certain way, like at, the T. Think about like when you go see a fortune teller. They say, "Give me your hand." Right. And they but read that's your specific hand. Specific to you. But you have markings on your. Well, I know, but I'm just you saying. Know? But still, you're reading markings on a hand. How do you tell? I don't know. That's what. I, that's just all I'm wondering. I'm wondering like. What it was, especially when you said rich people started going, because I feel like they would write some letters to somebody else about it. Two questions. One, was he doctor before this happened, or did they call him doctor after this? After this. After this happened, he began his doctor prowess. And did he have a flyer said, flock to the dot? I don't think he had a marketing uh, team around There him wasn't yet. a printing press back then? <laughs> but also, yeah, how does one <laughs> just discover this? as well like did he look at his buddy and then look at the markings and then how does one become a jedi 
Well, another Jedi finds you he, and he says must, you're a Jedi. He must have said something <laughs> to a couple of people, and it came out that it happened. They were like, "This dude red cotton," and now I got. But no, go. that's what I'm saying. Like, how do you figure out that you can look at bales of cotton? and tell people's futures. That's a big jump. Like whoever did it with tea leaves first, big jump. Huge jump. You know? Three right. words, three letters, right? P C P. That's what it <laughs> <is>. <laughs> He was high as shit. I'm sorry Voodoo Gods I didn't make fun of you. I'm just uh... Right, you better watch out. You better watch out. Uh if you are very very interested in how Dr. John read the markings on the bales of cotton there is a book, a New Orleans Voodoo Heritage Edition, Dr. John Montanay, A Grimoire by Dr. Louis Martini. Very recently released book. So, Dr. Louis Martini, if you're listening to us, hey, we haven't read your book yet, and we like Dr. John, and we like what we've uh, read so far. I just don't know how the guy read yeah, Bales of Cotton. And if you know anyone now, who takes cotton? That's what and I was just it. about to say. I want to find a cotton reader. Yeah. Tell me what's going I'll on get in my, my life. Red. Yeah. Do I have to roll it with you? That's in order what I was to, wondering. To figure out. But can me? you really honestly imagine a bunch of eighteen, like sixties Civil War era women rolling bales of cotton down a ramp? No, I cannot. No. Not in them dresses. There's no CrossFit yet. Like that maybe there's that was the original. There's a lot of ladies that could do it now. Thank you, CrossFit. Hey, three to one slope. Get some <laughs> great calves. So white people started coming to Dr. John because they saw and heard that he can tell them their fortune, give them the advice, give them, you know, some sort of, you know, powder or cream. And uh, they would move on and he would prophesize for them and they would be great. Right. There's no right. anybody who. No, there's no account of like Dr. John doing anything bad for anybody. And so it seemed that he probably made people very happy. He was wealthy enough to move off the levee and he bought a large tract of property on Bayou Road, a whole block between North Prier and North Roman, right on the other side of the interstate in the Seventh Ward, mm -hmm. right by Manchu Chicken. Back of town. The 1900 block of Bayou Road. Moving on up. That was his place. And at that time, a free man of color having that much land was doing I. So did, did he continue reading at the levee like as his no. job? Or he, they came to him. Brought it home. Oh, nice. smart guy. This is when I'm talking about. his practice took off. Bales of cotton got a little smaller there. Uh-huh. Yeah. He combined rituals with Creole medicine and he began to charge people a large fee because he was in such high demand. Women would come to him with their tales of their would-be lovers and Dr. John would wrap the hair of their lover over a shell, perform a ritual, and the woman would be completely pleased. Ooh. She would leave. She'd be pleased. People would pay anywhere between $10, $20 per person for advice, medicine, wow. voodoo recipes, remedies to help recover stolen goods. He once charged somebody $50 for a potion. <gasps> That's a lot of money back then. Damn. That's a lot. But according to Conjure Doctors, uh, he told a friend it was just some herbs he boiled into water, and that was it. 
And so he tricked the person for $50. But they say at the height Placebo of his, effect. Yeah. At the height of his popularity, he was worth 50 grand. And at that time, we did the math, $1.4 million. Ooh-wee. And some people say that's that a lot of voodoo money. He even had more that's money than that. And he had $150,000 that he buried in graves on his property. <laughs> Where is that again? <laughs> Baby, that money done rotted. But let me tell you something. Uh, just like anybody during that time and still to this time who becomes rich, a lot of times they do it on the backs of hardworking women. Dr. John was married to 15 women. Whoa. That he had at his house. Uh, wait, like, like multiple wives. Multiple wives. Oof. Multiple wives. And he had about fifty children in his lifetime. Fifty children. No. Fifty. Fifty children. Oh my god. So obviously, there's a lot of people in New Orleans that are direct descendants of this guy. Then mm. you got. People in New Orleans, like a lot of people born here, don't John. leave. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Fifty children. Your and these were free children now. No, they were free children. Free children. Was it with all the white women? Nope. He had one white wife, fourteen African American wives. Wow. No wonder he bought a big property. Right. That's a lot. You got a house. I mean, that's a commune. He also, yeah, he also used this as a brothel. A bro- so a they brothel. were his voodoo in New Orleans says, yeah, hooker wives. Yeah, these are kind of his hooker wives. And that's how he made a lot of money as well. So quickly, you can also get your remedies, your medicines, and you can also so pimp on s- his wives. Yes. Right. So you said he had a cane. He walked with a limp. Correct. He had the scars. He had the scars. Mm-hmm. He was a pimp. The, the first <laughs> pimp. Dr. John, I don't think feathers are very um, common in voodoo rituals. They say if you wave a feather in front of you and your person, if you're at a gambling establishment, you have good luck at the gambling establishment. Did he have a feather in his hat? Huh. I'm sure. Yeah, he had, the guy was known to have uh, chicken bones around him at all times, wrapped in uh, black rope. Like... Like a necklace of chicken bones, like a belt of chicken he, bones. It was, uh, it was a belt necklace. Uh, call it a a, a, a what a, a watch. You know, one of them. He like a always had, wristband. He always had chicken bones connected to him in some way because it was believed that if you had chicken bones on you, you can like uh, somebody try to conjure you. You can like block it. Dang. We need Dang. to start that trend again. Start wearing chicken bones to work and stuff. I feel like. You're describing the bad guy from The Princess and the Frog. It might be. It might, yeah, That's why I've been yeah. quiet. I've been looking this guy up. I yeah. thought I offended Lynn. It might I be. I said the, something the, and the, she was like, The Princess and, and the Frog. looking it up on the phone. I was like, Jeez, I'm no. Yeah. I, no, right, I was well, just looking this guy up. I'll keep telling you about him. All right, he was very rich. He uh, wore very elaborate Spanish attire in his early career, but later on, he wore like a black coat, white shirt, and he had a long beard. In his office, he had a, where he had his rituals, he had a s- statue of the Virgin Mary. I told you that before. He had elephant tusk, African shells, and other animal parts and bones, even dried out toads. You were talking about toads earlier, but toads, yeah? Yes, I was. 
And for that's the why I said he carried them small bones with him as a fetish. And that was uh, a magical charm source. Oh. He was notoriously known in New Orleans for ridding people of gris or curses. Gris is spelled G-R-I-S, G-R-I-S. A lot gris, of people. Gris, gris, gris. <laughs> but no. Also a fantastic restaurant on Magazine Street. Lovely. Hashtag pay us. <laughs> in the 1860s, people in New Orleans would often wake up to their homes being pelted with stones and rocks, breaking windows, what? making a mess. All right. And this would happen to people you say often. Often? Often. Like how often? Often enough that like police knew about it and the neighborhood knew when this happened, you gotta call Dr. John and get it remedied. Was it just some hoodlums? No idea. So this happened to a house. Police would come to the house and do a stakeout. And then when the rocks started pelting the house, police would come out of their horse and buggies or wagons or whatever. And they would say that the stones were coming out of nowhere. <laughs> they were falling out of the sky. So they, they, they would be, they would watch, they would see it. Yes. And they couldn't see who was throwing it, whatever. And it would just be hitting the house. They would, it fell out of the sky. Like someone put a gree curse on that person. Someone put a gree curse curse on that house, that person, anything. Dang, son. S sounds like hail. What do you have to do to have rocks fall from the sky at somebody? According to an article in the Daily Delta, October 1861. We have like a timestamp on Dr. John living in New Orleans, 1861, October, practicing his voodoo. Dang, that's hmm. Civil War. There was a court hearing where Mr. Samuel Wilson, Aha. his slaves paid Dr. John $62 to rid them of the stones falling on their bedquarters. Wait, this, wait, this, the, the slaves, slaves paid him? Slaves paid Dr. John. Dr. John did it. Well, Mr. Wilson. Slaves in New Orleans were allowed to work and keep at least part no, of their no, profits. No, no, no. I'm just, it's, I, I feel like it only hit the slaves' quarters, mm -hmm. not. Oh, yeah. The plant, just okay. the slave quarters. But Samuel Wilson was pissed. And he was like, my slaves ain't paying him. Come on, do this voodoo, grigory stuff to my house and my slave. I'm going to get my slaves' money back. So he took. Dr. John to court, and he won. And Dr. John had to pay Samuel Wilson his $62 back. Not his $62, Yeah, though. He had to pay the slaves the $62. I thought you were going to go the other direction, and Sam was going to be like, I'm going to try to get rid of this stuff myself. I don't need <laughs> Dr. John. I, <laughs> I would have appreciated that, yeah. According to the Daily Delta, the next night, Samuel Wilson's house was pelted with stones. <laughs> yes. Piece of shit. Uh, I bet he kept the money, too. Maybe you know so, it was them slaves. You know them slaves. Uh, I'm going to get all these stones <laughs> and throw it at this mother's house. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> but honestly, you were kind of talking about this with the bales of cotton. All right. The magic... According to Voodoo in New Orleans, Roberts Talant may not be magic at all. All right. He says that through his research and sources, but, you know, um, accounts and interviews from people. Dr. John making his money as a fortune teller, he would then turn around 
and pay the slaves of very influential people in the city to get the dirt on whoever might be coming to his spot oh. to get their fortune told. He can then take that dirt and then turn it into something very big for other people. You know, so New Orleans just, is a relatively small town, man. So you know everybody, you know. He just knew everybody's business. At that time, yeah. yeah. Which is what people say of his his protege. Yes, that's exactly what people say of Marie Laveau. Mm -hmm. And that's why people believe that Dr. John taught Marie Laveau some of his tricks, including that of paying slaves to gather information for them. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Dr. John, again, was born in 1802-03. Marie Laveau was born in 1801. Dr. John died in 1885. Marie Laveau died in 1881. These two live very similar parallel lives. Definitely. Before Marie Laveau was a voodoo priestess, she was a hairdresser. Who knows all the dirt? Mm Mm-hmm. Of course. She would often practice her rituals on the banks of the Bayou St. John, not far away from the Dr. John's house. But, you know, honestly, Dr. John must have been doing something right because people kept coming back to see him and pay him money to give them advice until his death in 1885. Mm. How'd he die? Old age. Just old. And as the doctor became older, uh, keeping a hold of his affairs and monies uh, became very difficult. Fifteen wives is going to take it out of you, baby. It did. It did. And those children, when they left, they also took some money. And uh, Dr. John didn't know how to read nor write uh, when he got older. So he learned how to read and write when he got older. But as soon as he did learn how to write his name, someone tricked him out of writing his name on a blank sheet of paper. And then he no longer owned his property on Bayou Road. Oh, wow. What? He took it right out underneath from Dr. John. So a deed, not just a blank sheet of paper, No, he, he, well, he says it was a blank sheet of paper that turned into a deed. Ah. So it was a voodoo deed. Mm, Maybe. I don't know what happened to that guy. Disappearing ink. Right. Dr. John is said to have later died being taken care of by one of his children whom he didn't like. (laughs) <laughs> the, the only one of 15 how no, come no, i'm only 50 50 i'm sorry there's also how out of 50 kids I'm sorry, is the yeah. one you don't like yeah. the one that's there at the end it's also very known that he was a curmudgeon and he didn't like mulattoes he did not like mixed people and he would even make fun of his kids both books say he even make fun of his kids for being mixed no sense and that is the uh, kid that he had to live with. He was the one who did when, the deeds, huh? <laughs> so that's irony in itself. Uh, I got to hang out with the half-breed. <laughs> with all due respect. Yeah, it's just, it's for the story. <laughs> Coming up, we'll talk to you about the other Dr. John, obviously. And I'm going to give you all some real voodoo recipes you can make at your own home. Oh, some recipes to get rid of your neighbor. A lot of y'all need that. And a cure for all, of course, for the coronavirus. (laughs) I can't believe I've never heard of this guy.
Smackity smack. Knock hands back. <laughs> okay. So we're going to tell you how to conjure the doctor according to, like I said, conjures, conjuredoctors.com. Because, mm -hmm. you know, definitely. Which uh, is the first site. website that comes up when you Google yep. John, Dr. John Montanay. It will be the site that I'm up until like four in the morning on tonight. Good. Very excited about this. That's not where you go for cold source. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So right now we reach through the crossroads to the wise doctor of New Orleans voodoo. Oh, is that what we're doing like right now? Uh, yeah. I should sit up. You should. Dr. John was buried in the St. Rock Cemetery near the St. Rock Market. So if you'd like to go over there and visit him, I don't know if it's like still there with his name and Montanay and John, uh, because many gravesites here in New Orleans just sort of uh, change name and the plaque becomes something different because when you go in there, you just become dust and they sweep you out. Yeah. And then they put somebody else's name on there. Those oven walls. Yep. This is according to blackmoonpublishing.com, who published the recent book, about Dr. John. They say, Dr. John was a man worth knowing and his spirit is worth working with. And if you're going to work with Dr. John, according to conjuredoctor.com, it is best to begin with no petition. Dr. John, he doesn't like for you to ask him favors right off the bat. You should give him some offering and begin to develop a relationship with him. When he makes his presence known to you through dreams, visions, and physical manifestations, then it's appropriate to begin asking him for favors. So if you want to give Dr. John some offering, here are some things you can give him. I'm ready. Absinthe. Okay. Graveyard dirt from St. Rock. The other dirt from any other grape won't work. Mm -hmm. You got to get it from St. Rock. Hi, John Root. No idea what that is. Where is that? It's probably near Low like a, John Root, because you also got to get Low John Root as well as High John Root. Like R-O-O-T? R-O-O-T, yes, yes. This isn't something sexual, is Percussion it? instruments. Oh. He is the Loa of drummers and Root doctors, so it makes sense. Oh, okay. Drums. Water from Bayou St. John. Earth from Bayou St. John. Earth from Congo Ooh. Square. Red brick dust, healing. I'm oh, sorry, healing herbs and roots in general. Any roots that you want. That Bayou Saint that's John it? water that's, is. That's uh... that's what you can offer to him. Do we have any of those tonight? Uh oh, we don't. This is going to be the most. I mean, you could have said something. This is going to be the most interesting Sazerac we have ever to... made. We did burn a candle. We burned a yeah, but we that's lit sage to give have... him a free space. We did. We cleansed let's, the space. Let's put a uh, put the rest. Uh, did you even pour in there? Did you even pour in that glass? In this glass? Yeah. Doesn't look like there's anything. Let's put let's put it out as an offering. Oh yeah. For our well, it's friend. not it's not absinthe, but but I think that you know he's a he's a you man think of many ways. He just appreciates intention. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. And we're not asking for favors. No, we're just we're saying for hey, favors. hey. Well, he needs more than that. He, I mean. He's dead, but he's not that dead. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. So are we going to say hey to him every episode now? Because it says we have to develop a relationship with him. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, let's give him a shout out. So what's up, Dr. John? What were hey. you saying, Cliff? 
Well, no, I said uh, this will be the most interesting Sazerac I've ever concocted with all the ingredients that I need now. Some Bayou St. John water and some, <laughs> some absinthe. Some, well, I need I need high John and low John. Or Yo, I could is. totally make a Dr. John cocktail for next <laughs> week. <gasps> do it, do it, we do it. We might not be able to talk. I got bongos. I can bring them. Drums and percussions. We can do that. Okay. All right, Dr. John, this time next week. So I'm going to give you some voodoo recipes from the book by Ron Bowden that gives us some uh, voodoo recipes. How to get a man or a woman to love you. Obviously, the love potion. You have to prick a finger with a pen. Yours? A, yours. Put a drop of your blood in the stick of a chewing gum. If the person chews the gum, he or she will not be able to resist you. I've heard variations on this. Yeah. Yeah. Falling in love, just a little blood and gum. Right? To harm an enemy, if you feel like doing that, place the name of your enemy on a slip of paper and place it in the mouth of a snake, (laughs) a live snake. Hang the snake out in the sun to dry. If the (gasps) snake suffers, so does your enemy. If the snake dies, your enemy will meet the same fate. Oh, my God. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> That's awful. All right, this one. You guys have got to do this. You're going to do it next time you see this person, too. So <laughs> how to <laughs> obtain unlimited power. Oh, this sounds like a weird like cheat code from uh, Game Genie on Nintendo. How hard does that seem to you? Like Unlimited what do you think you have to do? What do you think you have to do? What do you think? I'm pretty, pretty sure that's human sacrifice. <laughs> it's got to be. It's, it's got to be human sacrifice. No. It was five stones, right? No. That's what it took for unlimited power? Right. Yeah. Okay, are y'all ready? This is voodoo now. I'm, I'm not ready. getting in the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> get in the body. That was Ninja Turtles. Okay, that's <laughs> No, Mario oh. got had to get in the sewer. Okay. All right, it's very easy, okay? Tug at the clothes of a Catholic priest and the powers of God will be at your disposal. Tug at the robes of a Catholic priest. (laughs) Yes. This is the wrong platform to do that because, you know, anyone (laughs) listening to us is going to start tugging on people. Mm -mm. They're going to go tug at a priest. Mm -mm. You know, they're going to do it like real slightly, though. You know, like if they're walking around. I don't know if it's unlimited power. You kind of have to go all out, don't you? I don't know. It doesn't say slight tug or like full tug. What does that mean? Say tug again. <laughs> We've just opened a whole can of worms talking about tugging on priests. <laughs> wow. So we're just going to have to stop it there. To protect your health. <laughs> this one's pretty easy, too. This one's, uh, I think anybody could do this. So, all right. This isn't the cure-all. That's coming up. But protect your health. Protect the health. Tie a cord. Very simple. That has three, seven, or nine knots around your waist for overall protection. You just want overall protection, a cord like a belt, tie three, seven, or nine knots in it, you have overall protection. Or if you want any other of your anatomy protected, tie a cord around that part of your anatomy. So if your leg hurts, tie a cord around it, three, seven, nine knots. And then when the string breaks, you will be healed. About to sell some chokers with three, seven, and nine knots. I hear Lynn all <laughs> day. I am 
seeing dollar signs. Three, seven, nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We oh, got, wait, no. We get, <laughs> Is that it? No. Three, it's six, 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 nine. Six, six. We get me to open a store. Yes. For a favor from God. Who doesn't want that, right? How hard do you think that will be? About as hard as tugging a Catholic priest. You're road. right. About as hard. Light a candle and say the following prayer. May this offering, I pray thee, O Lord, both loose the bonds of my sins and win the gift of thy blessed mercy. Then insert your request. Amen. Light a candle. Sounds Catholic. Sounds very Catholic. Right? Favor from God. That's what you do. All right. Here it is. The cure-all. Should I save the cure-all from for the like the the last one? It's got to be human sacrifice. It's there's no human sacrifice in voodoo. I've watched Sabrina, okay, on Netflix. I've watched Scooby-Doo. Sabrina's a witch. She's not in voodoo. They're different. I bet you mix up Star they Wars and Star Trek, do a voodoo girl on that show. And Scooby, there's right. always a masked guy in Scooby. Is it Latoya? There is a, there is a potion where someone has, there is a potion where something has to die, okay? Is it a chicken? It's not a chicken. I mean, the snake died. But this cure-all, you don't have to kill anything, okay? Okay. You sip a brew of Jamestown weed, sulfur, and honey from a glass. Sip a brew. But that glass has to have been rubbed against the, a black cat with one white foot. Damn. What? You got to rub the glass against the cat's foot. That one has one white foot, black cat, one white foot. And then put Jamestown weed, sulfur, and honey in it. Okay, send some Jamestown weed over to us right now. Some sulfur and honey. We got sulfur and honey, right? Yeah, but do you have a cat with one white foot? Yeah, we can, how, we can find one. We can find that. Just in right around the seventh ward. There's a crazy lady that feeds Correct. cats. Correct. We can go to my house. I think I got. Out. Someone's gonna spray paint a fucking white foot on. Someone. It doesn't work. Does what are you, That's Pepe Le Pew over here? <laughs> See, that's the accent they have for New Orleanians in Scooby-Doo is that ridiculous Pepe Le Pew accent. <laughs> I was more worried about the first time I said the F word in the podcast. It took 16 episodes. Oh, I think I said it 16 times in my first yes, episode. Yes, Yeah. All right, you guys got to get a little bit of uh, black hog hair for this one. All right, this is the, mm. the wishing fetish. All right. The wishing fetish. The wishing fetish. The wishing charm. A fetish is a charm. Sorry. Charm. Cut a round piece of leather and make a bag out of it. In this bag, place 13 pennies, nine cotton seeds, nine, and a bit of hair from a black hog. Rub the bag wherever you want the wish to come true. <laughs> like, wait, what does that even, where, wherever you want it to come true? What the fuck? What does like that mean? Your wallet? Ooh, like you okay. could rub it against oh, your wallet. The, oh, you mean like rub, rub. the bag on your butt? Mm, oh, you or, can rub it at your like house. I don't have any idea. I don't know. Your wife's belly. I'm sure oh, all of these things. Yeah, yeah. All of these things that people want to get made. I thought you meant like a part of the bag. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. How would you mm, rub? Like, mm, what part mm. of the bag are we rubbing? Here? All right. No, you rubbing the bag on something. If you wanted someone to propose to you immediately, this is, I thought this was crazy. Oh, let's, please, anyone who listens, if this this works, let us know, please. If you want someone to propose to you immediately, and I mean immediately, okay, you tie a rooster under their porch (laughs) and you sit them in a rocking chair right above the rooster and then sit beside them and wait. 
I say, I say, I don't like that <laughs> little charm you got there, boy. All right, so this one, this one hurt my heart the Just most. Just imagining somebody crawling under a porch with a freaking rooster. Roosters are mean. Mm, and then it's someone else's but, porch. So you like you're dirty before you knock on his door and you're like, hey boo, come sit but out. But you here. could literally do do that to a rooster and have somebody sit above it and them not know it, right? Under the porch? Yeah. And they would never know that a rooster was beneath them, yes. And then they could well, yeah, but I'm right, saying, well. like, you're going to crawl under his porch and then crawl out after yeah. you done fought a rooster. You yeah. know you got some dirt in your hair. And then you're going to well, knock on his door and be you... like, hey, honey, I'm here to see you. <laughs> covered in dirt. Don't you think that boy would look well, at her and be like, you don't have to do like, it right immediately. You can leave the rooster there for a day. The things you do for love. Yeah. It's going to make some noise. He would know. Yeah. Well, there's probably a lot of roosters around the south. No one there. said the rooster was alive. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. All right. And this one hurt my heart because, you know, they did have to kill a hummingbird for it. Whoa. But you it have was, to catch it first. Yeah. Totally about that. But, you know. All right. This is how you make a love powder. <gasps> so if you ever get a love powder, you say you kill the hummingbird for it. Things you do for love. But I thought this was amazing. This is crazy. Okay. So uh, first you got to, yeah, you have to gut a live hummingbird. <gasps> Then dry the heart, powder it, sprinkle it on the person you desire. <sighs> the potion of <laughs> Oh my God. And that, my friends, is the voodoo recipe and that the story. That you can do at home. Yeah. The voodoo recipe is that you can do at home <laughs> if you can get your bird. And if you do it, please tell us about it. <laughs> Come on, people. <laughs> Lynn may hate it. So but I'm very intrigued. Yeah, definitely. Cliff is very intrigued. That has been the story of our uh, late great friend, Dr. John, who we will uh, give thanks to uh, constantly. And uh, I hope you liked it. Can we play Dr. John music in honor of Dr. John, where we're paying homage to? Oh, yeah, I think that would be wonderful. Okay. I don't know how I'm just trying long. to think of different ways. I don't want to cut birds live while we're <laughs> recording in order to pay homage to Dr. John. I'd rather I mean, unless you're do... trying to make his spirit fall in love with yeah. you, and then you become wife 16. <laughs> Let's do certain things to pay homage to Dr. John rather than kill live things while we're recording. That's and I want to tell you about... The guy you're talking about, Dr. John, playing his music. He was named Dr. John. His name was Mac Rebenek, right? Yep. Yes. He was interested in New Orleans voodoo uh, when he went to Los Angeles to develop the idea of Dr. John. Uh, he did it as a tribute to his old friend, Ronnie Barron, because he liked the life of Dr. John, the Senegalese prince, the conjuring man, the herb doctor. So Dr. John, Mac Rebenek. Rebenek. Did it in honor of his friend who liked this guy, Dr. John. I've been in the right place, but it must have been the wrong time. I'd have said the right thing, but it must have used the wrong line. I've been on the right tree. Oh. And so that's how he came up with the name of the spiritual healer who came from Senegal, then went to Cuba 
around the world, New Orleans, free man, lived on Bayou Road, claimed to have 15 wives, 50 kids, had snakes, lizards in his house, embalmed scorpions, skulls, grigris. You know he had a goblet. Yeah! You know he did. Okay. That's wonderful. Fantastic. I, I'm intrigued. Do you think they're together, the two doctors? No. You don't no, think so? I don't think so. I was just sitting here like thinking how right ironic yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I was just thinking how ironic it is that the Dr. John musician was known for bringing cultures together and celebrating black and white culture and Native American culture, every culture in New Orleans. And the Grigri voodoo Dr. John made fun of his mixed children for being mixed. Yeah. But so he, I think still, they, he still gave... Uh, white people their fortune he took their money yeah, he did take their money that's for sure what because dr john in his old days started walking with a cane and limp he did oh, oh yeah no that if, man had a cane for a long what if he time. yeah what if the, when he became dr john dr john embodied him well they were gonna meet but obviously they had the right place but it was the wrong time but it must have been the wrong time Mix it up, people. <laughs> so where can you find us? On Instagram and Facebook and That's Spotify, and Apple iTunes and podcasts on Apple and Radio.com, Google Play. Wherever you find your podcast, people. You can also usually find us on Esplanade Avenue. Very true. We'll see you next Tuesday. See you see next, you next Tuesday. Tuesday. It's such a night Got to steal away, yeah The time seemed right Baby, your eyes met mine At a glance You let me know This was my chance You came here with my best friend, Jim here I am just trying to